dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Every leader needs to take initiative. It's the same for St. Peter and for the apostles of his day. How did St. Peter move the church forward during her darkest times? Let's take a look at the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, verses 12 and following, to find out. Okay, everybody, well, we are gathered here, obviously, in order to go deeper into the life of St. Peter and... That's because St. Peter represents for us so many stories and uh, illustrations of how to lead that I just can't help but go through and unpack with you. I mean, a lot of us look at the Bible as a gathering or collection of more or less valuable spiritual stories, depending on how sympathetic we might be to, you know, the Bible and Christianity, etc., And yet that's all that it is, kind of something good for kids. And if you just are a little child, you can learn all kinds of things if you read the Bible. But when it comes to the actualities of leadership, a lot of us, we just end up saying, well, the Bible is not a place to look for. We can understand some wisdom about leadership. I just want to put forward to you that you probably have not read the Bible if you think that, okay? Because when you actually read Scripture, The realism of the situations that we face every day as modern-day leaders is present in typology and present in great example in the lives of the men and women of Scripture. And so St. Peter's life and what he had to go through, especially in the Acts of the Apostles, when it's a question of governing the church, my goodness, it's almost like leadership writ large. And I want to look at him with you. I want to understand what he has to offer because by looking at the scripture, we get more than just a thought. We actually are able to read what God's plan for leadership is. And especially when you look at, think about who St. Peter was. I mean, this was no normal fellow. St. Peter was not only the first pope, but he was the man chosen by Christ to lead the twelve. And when Christ chose the 12 apostles, we have to remember he was choosing the team that would win for him. He knew all things. He knew what was in each man. And he wasn't choosing the 12 apostles as like this gang of of failures, which is what a lot of people, you know, end up trying trying to make it out to be. Almost like this, uh, you know a clown car, so to speak, of, of personalities that just make their way through history. No. Christ formed this band of apostles, this college of 12, to be his leaders in this world. And so for St. Peter to be the leader of the leaders, it's indicative of his role, his responsibility, and therefore also it shows you the importance of looking at his life. So I want to focus in today on Acts chapter 1, verses 12 
through 26. It's a key moment in the life of the church and a key illustration of St. Peter's leadership. So as we begin, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, Grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and never to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So right at the beginning of the church, the book of the Acts of the Apostles outlines the beginnings here. They, they, they watch the Lord ascend up into heaven and then they returned, verse 12, to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath's day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So you have this gathering then of the 12 apostles along with Mary and along with some of the other disciples. And they're praying. The Lord goes up into heaven and Simon Peter is praying with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the 12 and some of the other disciples. What an amazing scene. What happens? Well, we, we, we know, right? In those days, Peter stood up among the believers a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number who shared in this ministry. What's happening? Well, what's happening here is what happens to a lot of us. What do you do when the leader has gone. You're a new leader in a new position. The person before you has left and there's a type of vacuum. There's a pause, a waiting, a, 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 a misgiving. What will Peter's first moves be as Pope? What will Peter's first moves be as the head of the church? There's a lot of a lot weighing on this. And you got to kind of wonder, I mean, like, he's there with the mother of Jesus, the same Jesus whom he denied three times. Obviously, she has forgiven him. He's there with the 12, these 12 who have seen him fall and have received him back again. And they've all just seen Jesus taken up into heaven. This takes place before Pentecost, before the descent of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what will Peter do? How will he exert his leadership? What does Jesus want Peter to do? Notice that Jesus is now gone, <laughs> right? So like, where is Peter going to take his direction from? You know, you know, you got to wonder if he didn't have that temptation that a lot of us have to just look around and then kind of like pause and say, well, I mean, he could have said, look, I'm no one to act at this moment. Would it have been humble for Peter to just back away at this moment? Would it have been humble for Peter to say, look, I guess like, you know, obviously, 
James is a lot stronger, or John was the one who was beloved. You, you, you know, you got to kind of, you got to kind of think to yourself, this is the beginnings, the first step. What enabled Peter to take this step forward? In verse 15, it says, Peter stood up among the believers. Well, how, why did he stand? Peter stood because he had been called by Christ, not through his merits, but by Christ's grace to perform a mission. And Peter had to take the reins and perform that mission. And he could have looked around and saw all the reasons why he shouldn't lead. Not only had he betrayed him, but also, you know, you had his own misgivings. You had Peter's uh, reluctance to, to do everything as perfectly as he could be. I mean, he could look and find a million excuses that he could cite as a reason for him not to lead. But the mission was still in front of him. And he chose to step forward and embrace it. This is the initiative that's at the heart of Peter's leadership and at the heart of every leader. To take the reins that have been given and to drive forward. It's what's Christ calling each one of you to do in your own way as well. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So Simon Peter stands up. He takes the reins. He actually makes initiative to say, despite all of the reasons why I might not be considered worthy of being a leader, I'm going to lead because I was called. This is the first step that each one of us has to make in their own way, right? It's like that old saying that says, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. The call into leadership is a call into a mission from God wherein he equips you with what you need in order to accomplish that great call. But the thing that he will not equip you with is courage. He won't give you, in other words, uh, the, the, the act of will that you are called to give him. He might encourage you. He might give you all kinds of, of, of great strength from on high. He might strengthen your heart. I mean, we pray for all of that. But the act of leadership belongs to the leader. And here, Simon Peter could have said no. Just like the Virgin Mary could have said no to the angel. But he didn't. Simon Peter said yes. And he stepped up and made his first act as the leader of the church. And what was that very first act? After, of course, praying with Mary, what does he do? He decides to fill the seat that Judas had left. If we take a look at verse 20, it says, For Peter says, it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted. Let, it, let there be no one to dwell in it. And may another take his place of leadership. Okay, that's from Psalm 109. Therefore, it was necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. And one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. But then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. 
Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and so he was added to the eleven apostles. The first act of Peter. And now what's, what is indicative about this act? This act that Simon Peter poses demonstrates to us the hope with which Peter allowed himself to lead. I mean, think about where he, what he was facing and, and what was going on in that early church. He was called to replace one of the 12 who had been with Jesus from the beginning. Think about that. From the time of the baptism in the Jordan all the way through the resurrection, Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, had been with the 12. And, and, and that means that when he left, he left behind him a big scar. I mean, the betrayal of Judas was much more than just a singular moment. It was the betrayal of the fabric that was holding all of the 12 apostles together. When, when Judas betrayed Je uh, Jesus and then went to his death, this bloody death that's described in verse 19, where he threw himself off the, the cliff and, his, and he burst asunder and all of this. You know, I mean, like, that's very dramatic. You can imagine the trauma that that also caused amongst the, the apostles. Was someone going to betray them? Here they, they, they were going to put their lives out there for Jesus Christ and their lives out there for one another. Would they have each other's backs? That's why Peter's first initiative is so indicative of his job as, as, as a leader. Instead of, first of all, focusing them on some sort of mission or focusing them on, on, on some other act that they had to do, Simon Peter first took the time to build them up as a team. He went back to say that the missing place, the missing piece must be filled. It's an amazing part of his leadership. The insight of Simon Peter, in other words, is to say that the first goal of his leadership of the team is the team itself. Isn't that indicative? It's indicative of not just a leadership, but of a fatherhood. Because this team that he's putting together was, of course, the team of the church. These were the leaders of the church. And he wanted the church's fabric of unity between themselves to be knit together tightly. There could be no distrust left. So that, that rent fabric that Judas had left behind, which was, of course, a tear between him and the Lord, but also a tear between him and his fellow apostles, had to be patched up so that they could be united. And Peter's instinct, therefore, demonstrates to us a real principle in his leadership. It's the principle of the fact that he cared for his people and he cared for the unity of the, of the church, cared for that, that unity as if it was more than an accessory. Because for so many of us, we want to look at, at the church as if it was a, a mystery of, I don't know, organization, as if it was an organizational leadership that had a mission to do to take care of the poor, wreak justice in the world. And that's not it. I mean, of course, the church has that mission. And of course, we're trying to take care of the poor and bring justice in the world. But there's something much deeper than that and more beautiful than that in the church. And that is that the church proclaims here and now the presence of the kingdom of heaven. And that presence of the kingdom of heaven is a presence of love, mutual love, fraternal love, care, 
compassion. And in that love, there's a proclamation of a truth that transcends this world, transcends the different tasks that the church has to perform. How is it that the church could go forth, these apostles, and try to take care of the poor when they can't even take care of one another? It starts at home, and it starts with the proclamation of this invincible love of Jesus Christ for them, for each other. And so Peter realizes that that place has to be filled. He can't leave a hole of betrayal inside of these men who would dedicate themselves to proclaiming the unity of the kingdom of God and the unity of all believers. And so his very first task is to unite, to build up. And that's what he does with Matthias. It's also amazing at how difficult that this task must have been, right? Because if you think about the choice of Matthias here, he had to also choose between Matthias and Justice. I mean, Justice seems like a really nice guy. Both of them have been with Jesus from the beginning. So both of them have been, have been present, have seen what was going on. Both of them must have been witnesses to the resurrection. And so, like, how are you going to choose between one or the other? You're going to create a, a tension. You're going to create rejection. And Simon Peter has to forge through all of that potential adversity in order to make the decision. We really see here the act of someone who realizes that in order to build a church that will go forward, someone has to start. So even before Pentecost, while they're praying with Mary in the upper room, which is, of course, the same place as the resurrection, Peter steps up into that role that seems bigger than himself. And with the power of Christ and his courage, he makes that first bold step. He replaces Judas. Nowhere was it written that he had to do this. He quotes scripture himself and he makes the call. And by so doing, he empowers those who are beneath him to believe not only in him, but to also believe in one another. Simon Peter's leadership here is extraordinary in that he fulfilled the ordinary. And this is just the beginning of a life of such leadership. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. In Acts chapter 1, we see Simon Peter taking the reins. We see him stepping forward. But there's something about him stepping forward that is just so attractive. And it's what's attractive in the heart of every leader. It's hope. Peter's given a lot of credit in the, in the world and in the church for, you know, being bold. We're going to see that in Acts chapter 2. We're going to see that in Acts chapter 3. But his boldness is not brashness. What's the difference between being bold and being brash? And I think it's, it's a great question, right? Because both of them have something in common. I mean, being bold and being brash means being outspoken. Means, it means being forthright. It means taking the leadership, taking the reins. But the bold man has this over the brash. His boldness is grounded on truth. And a truth that is focused on the good of those whom he is leading. Peter has a life and a spirit imbued with, this, with the truth of Christ's resurrection. 
And it's by being grounded and centered in that resurrection that Peter can step forward at this moment in the church's history when she desperately needs direction and give the direction that's given there. I mean, think about it. The Lord never said to replace Judas. There's no guidebook or rule book that Peter could follow. How did he know that he wasn't making a mistake? How did he know that he wouldn't be making Our Lady mad? There he was, right in the presence of the Virgin Mary, stepping up and, and deciding for the 120 believers that were there, right? Like, how, how, how did he decide that? Well, obviously, it was under the motion of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't even say that it was under the motion of the Holy Spirit. It just says that Peter stood up, <laughs> right? Sometimes you have the grace of knowing and, 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 and that terrific gift of knowing that what you're doing is inspired by God, but sometimes you don't. And the mark of the leadership of Peter is that even when he didn't, he still knew and moved confidently. That's the difference between being bold and being brash. His bold confidence was rooted in the love that Jesus had for him and in the knowledge that Peter had that he was called to perform this task of leadership whether he wanted to or not, whether he was ready to or not. Peter stepped in hope in following Christ. And that's that hope-filled leadership that fills the church with what the church needed the most at that moment. Hope is not something that we can neglect in our life as leaders today. You know, we, 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 we look out at us and we can look at all the reasons why taking a risk and trying to dare something great could fail. We could look at from the market conditions to the team that we're supposed to assemble. We could look at ourselves and say, oh my goodness, look at all my weaknesses. There's no way. They're going to find out. They're going to know. There's going to be someone who's going to somehow reveal something, right? And, and, and so there's more, than, more reasons to not do anything than there is to do something. Simon Peter here, though, I think he's a lot like that. Look at his situation. You look around him, he's like, well, let's see, the Lord Jesus, the King of Kings, just left the earth, right? Uh, I'm surrounded by this kind of ragtag group of companions here. They're absolutely wonderful men, but at the same time, one of them actually just committed suicide, alas. And then the rest of them are looking around. We're gathered in the upper room. We don't know where else to go except this place. All that we can have been told to do is pray for an outcoming of the Holy Spirit who hasn't come yet. And, and you could just be, imagine he must have been tempted to be petrified, to just stay in where he was. The last thing that you would expect of someone in this type of situation is to move boldly. But that's just what Peter does. And I kind of wonder if maybe that's not a par all part of God's plan. If maybe God knew exactly what was going on in the church, and that's why he asked Peter to step up boldly, because when you move forward in hope, something happens more than just your productivity or your decision. You become what you have chosen. He needed Peter, and he wanted Peter to become the leader. And so he left them there, no instructions, but pray for the Holy Spirit. And a big problem, a, a rift in the midst of the apostles. He left them with all kinds of outward threats from those who had just crucified the Lord. 
wanting to, to perhaps crucify him, to betrayals within the, his own church and a, a potential apostates who could hand him over. You had to look at just even financially, I mean, how was he going to provide for this group of apostles? They had to eat. That's 120 disciples each day. That's a lot of people to feed. Simon Peter looked around and there's no instruction book because the Lord's looking at him with the same love with which he looked at him in John chapter 1. Peter, feed my sheep. I didn't tell you it would be easy. I didn't tell you that, that it would not be without fear. I told you to do it. And in the same way, each one of us looking at our lives, I mean, like, are you really, really willing to go to bed at night knowing that you could have given more, that you could have done more for the pursuit of goodness and the triumph of our society and of your family and that you didn't? No. We're not amongst those who move forward and then pull back. We want to be amongst those who go all the way to the finish line. We want to be amongst those who look at the situation around us and realize that it is not bigger than the one who is within us. 1 John chapter 4 says it so beautifully. The one who is in you is bigger than the one who is in the world. If I believe that and can lay hold of it, well then I could do in myself as the leader what I'm asking my people to do in their skills and in their labors. Just as I ask them to overcome the obstacles that are between them and success, by, the, by applying their talents and their skills in a unified effort. So I need, and first of all, to overcome that challenge that's in front of me within my own heart. If I want to lead my family and teach them to be bold and courageous in who they are, to be ethical and to be loving in the face of hate, ethical in the face of corruption, right? Well, they're going to have to make a decision inside to become the answer that they're looking for. I need to do it first. Peter leads the church by example. He takes hold of what he has to accomplish out of love for Christ and in union with him. And he decides in his heart to be that leader. And he takes this bold move. And in so doing, Simon Peter shows us what this world needs from each one of us today. To do the same, to let hope seize our hearts, and to move forward as if we are called. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.